From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, a podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And joining me today for this edition is Father Anthony Williams, joining us by phone from Olathe, Kansas. Father Williams, welcome. Thank you. Father Anthony Williams, uh, your background uh, is rather unusual. You came to the Catholic priesthood having grown up in Virginia as a Protestant. Tell us about your spiritual journey and your discernment of a vocation in the Catholic Church. Okay. Well, my spiritual journey actually began with my family and the family church, which many of my relatives attended on Sundays, Baptist Church in Fishersville, Virginia. And we attended every Sunday, and oftentimes uh, at that young age, they had me play the piano, the opening and closing hymn. But my family's Baptist, and um, that's how I got started with Sunday school in terms of learning about God and God's place in the world, and through the Scriptures predominantly. And then after that, I was drafted uh, after graduation from high school and entered the military, the Air Force, because I had 30 days to make a choice. And that took me, uh, a young person at the age of 19, uh, finally to the Philippines and Thailand at the age of 22. And it was there in the Philippines when my roommate, who was Irish Catholic, planning a wedding, talked to me about that. And that began my curiosity about the Catholic faith. So when I went TDY to uh, Karat Road Thai Air Base in Thailand, uh, I began to, to really pursue, and it was the invitation of a sister to the leper colony uh, that really sparked my interest in social justice, and she was religious and a Catholic, of course. So I accompanied her and, and visited with a man who had no hands and no feet, and he was sitting up against uh, the wall in his living room, and he was about 50. And I asked the question, well, why is he still alive? And I pondered that, and, and the sister said, well, he's alive to pray for the rest of the world. So I took that to heart, and um, at that leper colony, that was a, a very good experience for me to have in connection with God and the purpose of this man praying for the world. The other uh, that led me was uh, the going to daily Mass not as a Catholic and assisting as an uh, altar server at the altar for Father Patrick Stevenson um, at, um, at the base, at Karat Road Thai Air Base. Nervous, but uh, I got through it. But with that community each day of coming together and uh, celebrating the Mass and hearing the Word of God, that stayed with me. So my attraction really was was the Eucharist, and then second was the Justice uh, Initiative that this sister took. Uh, and so that began my uh, desire to really want to become more Catholic and to join the Church. And so I took instruction uh, by Father Patrick Stevenson for three months in Thailand, and then on the 20th day, uh, after one-on-one for several weeks and query and so forth, uh, he felt I was ready to become Roman Catholic. So on that day, I was baptized Catholic. I received First Communion and was confirmed. And I remember to this day, one of the senior master sergeants walking up to me and giving me a, a huge hug, um, which startled me. He said, welcome to the family. Uh, I'll never forget that. And on my way out, following that entry into the church, I made the decision uh, that I wanted to do more in the Catholic Church. So actually on that day, I decided to pursue um, seminary. Uh, and so I got an early out 
um, in Phoenix, about three years and eight months in the military, and was taken to visit with the Archbishop McCarthy. And um, the father who went with me said, well, he's only been Catholic for under a year. And Archbishop McCarthy said, well, we've got eight years to find out. And so I'm very grateful that he took a chance and a risk for me, and I'm still here 40 years later uh, after graduation, uh, college, and then theology at Catholic University. So that's really how I came into the Church, and the attraction to the priesthood was to do more. And uh, so I continued that in various ways, as a military chaplain for 10 years, and then also uh, in my diocese as a hospital chaplain for seven years, uh, and now as a... um, part-time chaplain assisting with daily mass, weekday mass, I'm sorry, weekends, uh, at the um, Army base for those men who are incarcerated. So that's my journey. So, Father Anthony Williams, how long were you in Thailand before you began to sense a call to Catholic, you know, to the Catholic religion and uh, priesthood? The first... um couple of weeks in Thailand uh, on a TDY of three months. I was there probably two weeks when I expressed an interest. Uh, in the third month, near the end of the third month, on October 20th, I was baptized Roman Catholic uh, during my three months there. So near the end of my assignment, I was baptized, but within the first few weeks of the assignment, TDY, I expressed an interest and started going to Mass each day. Wow. So uh, compare the difference between your spiritual experience participating in the Mass with the Baptist uh, uh, services that you attended as a child growing up in Staunton, Virginia. Um, the, my family is predominantly Baptist, and many of my aunts and uncles and so forth were their major patrons of the Small Baptist Church in Fishersville, Virginia. So I attended Sunday school, and sometimes I would uh, play the opening and closing hymns on the piano uh, for uh, the worship service in the Baptist Church. Uh, But there is no difference, if I could put it that way, between my family that was very open and supportive of my becoming Catholic, uh, stating that if that's what I wanted to do and where my heart was, they fully supported me, and so did my parents, who were not Catholic, obviously. So the full support I had, but it was my roommate in the Philippines and just being three or four, 5,000 miles away from home, uh, when one begins to ask the philosophical question, what do I want to do in life? Where is God calling me? Uh, who am I? And a lot of that was going on as I was getting used to my assignment in the Philippines and Thailand, and then alone, away from home. So I sort of found a home in the church. So um, what happened after you uh, got baptized? I assume you went through RCIA, right? Well, there was only, it was one-on-one. There there were not other people with me in the RCIA program as we know it today. This was in 1974. Right. Uh, So that was you know, approximately almost 50 years ago. So it was one-on-one with the priest uh, to study uh, and and to attend Bible study with some of the folks on base, uh, and then to sit with him and to respond with my questions, and then he would also query me 
uh, you know, on different aspects of the faith. But that was three months. That's all I had uh, to become comfortable with the faith I became, uh, was baptized in. So you served three plus years in the Air Force, and then what, uh, seminary? Um, I was in Phoenix at the time at Luke Air Force Base, and in 1975, I approached with the chaplain, uh, Father Kaczmarek, uh, the Archbishop uh, McCarthy of Phoenix, and uh, expressed an interest uh, in the seminary. And Father said, well, I've only been Catholic for uh, a little less than a year. And, and the Archbishop looked up and he said, well, we have eight years to find out. <laughs> so he sponsored me uh, to St. Thomas Seminary in Denver, Colorado, for three years, and at which time... Uh, in my junior year, I transferred into the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas. I see. So, how long before you were ordained? I Three years in the seminary under the Archbishop in Phoenix, and then uh, the remainder of my college one year at St. Thomas Seminary, and then four years at Catholic University, uh, and then I was ordained in 1983. Uh, by Archbishop Strecker in the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas. Great day. Let's talk a little bit about the chaplains that you first encountered in Thailand uh, when you first uh, entered the Air Force and after that in Phoenix. What kind of influence did the chaplains have on your decision to uh, uh, convert to Catholicism and um, discern priesthood? The chaplain, there was only the one in uh, Thailand, and that was Father Patrick Stevenson. We met one-on-one, and he was very supportive uh, and listened and um, permitted me to attend Mass each day, even though I was not able to receive communion at the time. Uh, But it was a good experience just being able to be there with, with Catholics who were devoted and committed, the same ones attending daily Mass, a small community. Uh, and then, of course, the social justice experience. Those two, the math and the experience, uh, were really the roots of what brought me into uh, the Catholic Church. And I responded by wanting to, to learn more about the faith as a result of my experience with the daily math and also uh, with Sister at uh, the leper colony Khan Ken uh, in Thailand. Uh, so, uh, Father Stevenson would give me about an hour once a week, a little bit more, and I attend Mass every day. Uh, so, that's basically what my catechesis, so to speak. Um, but he's a great chaplain, and I always uh, am grateful to him for taking me under his wing and then working with me at that time. What was it about the Catholic faith that attracted you? The Mass. I would say, essentially, and then, of course, the social justice experience. But there was something about the Mass, uh, the, the, the mystical, I would say, I would choose that word, it was mystical to me, it was holy, a holy experience. And I was drawn in uh, by being there, and to this day, uh, the Eucharist is the center, uh, you know, as a priest. I, I have a special relationship uh, with the Eucharist because uh, it found me and I found the Eucharist uh, when I was in military service as a non-Catholic. So there's always going to be, for me, that connection. Uh, it's in the marrow, so to speak. My, my baptism in the Catholic Church as a young 
military uh, service person in the Air Force, even to this day, roots that can never be separated. I'm talking to Father Anthony Williams of Olathe, Kansas. And Father Williams uh, converted to Catholicism back in the 70s while serving in uh, Thailand. What was the installation you were assigned to there in Thailand? Karat Royal Thai Air Base, Thailand. I I see. Uh, And um, so the chaplains, you had one chaplain who uh, kind of... um, ushered you through the catechism and uh, helped prepare you to uh, become baptized. And uh, and then from there, you uh, came back to Phoenix. Uh. I After graduate school at Catholic University, I spent four years in my archdiocese in Kansas City, Kansas, uh, 1983 through 1987. And then I petitioned uh, to enter the United States chaplaincy uh, and was commissioned. Uh, so I spent 10 years as an Air Force chaplain at various bases overseas and in the States uh, in service. Uh, so I'm grateful for that time. And what was that experience like for you, uh, being a chaplain yourself, after having been brought into the church uh, through the help of a chaplain? In response, I would say that I felt uh, very comfortable in being able to identify with with people of all different backgrounds with respect to the faith, having uh, been born into a Baptist family. And then uh, a chaplain, even Catholic, has the uh, requirement to minister and to be with and, and to help people of all backgrounds and faiths, whether they're religious or not, per se. So I felt very comfortable uh, with uh, the military service personnel I encountered in all the bases that I visited. Uh, the daily mission of just being present um, and did all the um, TDY assignments uh, in different countries. It was an experience of travel in that sense, but at the same time, being there uh, as best I could uh, for the men and women who served. And of course, with the Air Force, uh, a lot of work was done with uh, some of the pilots and flying and missions and so on with them uh, to get a better understanding of what the Air Force was all about. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, it was an eye-opener and for this person who came from the Shenandoah Valley in Stanton, Virginia, this was another part of the world that I was privileged to see and experience. What were some of the bases, the Air Force bases, air bases, uh, domestic and overseas, where you served during your 10 years as an Air Force chaplain? During the 10 years, McGuire Air Force Base, uh, and then... Um, um, the air base in Turkey, um, in Izmir, Turkey, which is the ancient church of Smyrna, uh, and then from there uh, to Wright-Patterson, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, uh, to uh, TDY, to Saudi Arabia in Riyadh, uh, and then from there uh, back to the base, Wright-Patterson, and then from Wright-Patterson to England, uh, to uh, be a chaplain there at that base. Uh, and then from England on to uh, Langley uh, Air Force Base in Virginia. And then from there, I went TDY to uh, Cuba, Guantanamo Bay, one Christmas, for uh, 30 uh, some odd days. And then I went to also Haiti, uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, 
hmm. Operation Restore Democracy, I think, when Aristide um, was um, working with the political situation there, celebrating mass for the army troops uh, in the garage at the palace where President Aristide was at the time. So all of those experiences of travel and, and working uh, with the men and women who are military service personnel, feeling what they feel and eating with them and serving um, services with them and so on and responding in critical times, that was a part of my tenure experience uh, in the Air Force. Um, wow, that's quite a tour or set of tours. Uh, so 40 years you've been a priest now, Father Anthony Williams, um, and yes. uh, you live uh, in a retirement home, I believe now, correct? Well, I yes, uh, but I'm still doing lots of ministry. I, uh, uh, the Corporate Works of Mercy, uh, the first one that, that caught my attention because I was equipped with academic background and credentials, I served as a hospital uh, Catholic chaplain and supervisor of chaplains for seven years and eight months. Uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, two hospitals. Uh, and I left uh, that ministry to return to my diocese in 2022 uh, and had a year, two years rather, uh, as pastor, uh, and then felt the need to, uh, to retire, and I did. Uh, but another corporal work of mercy uh, opened up, and that was ministry to the incarcerated at Fort Leavenworth Army Base. So I go there on Sundays for masses at two uh, facilities, the USDB and also the Joint Regional uh, Correctional Facility uh, to celebrate mass and confessions for the men. And that's a rewarding experience uh, because they had no one for a period of time, and I volunteered at an invitation to help. And I really enjoy uh, being there as a priest because it is one of the corporal works of mercy. Now, Leavenworth, uh, the prison there has both a, a military and a civilian section, I believe. Is that correct? Well, the civilian section in, in Leavenworth City is the federal, the larger institution. Uh, it's very large, uh, very large. And the military base has uh, smaller facilities for military personnel who have who are incarcerated. So they're two distinct entities, the military base uh, and then the federal uh, at the other end. Uh, but they're not far apart from one another, but they're, they're two separate entities. Tell me more about your ministry to the uh, military personnel who are incarcerated. What is that like? I go in um, uh, each Sunday to, the bo to both facilities. Uh, it's, it, at first was strange because when the doors close, the cell doors close, uh, when you get through security, you're not coming out unless they open and they're controlled. Uh, but to hear the sound of that door going shut, uh, is one that, that sticks with me. It's a heavy sound, uh, a clang, uh, and, and then I'm inside. Uh, but I feel very comfortable and, the people who come to Mass are the ones who want to be there, uh, and very uh, hospitable and kind and, and, and respective of me and appreciative of the fact that I'm there. So I, I do all I can to give a good homily based on my study of Scripture and how the Holy Spirit inspires me. 
and um, do the best that I can, and they appreciate that. Uh, but it's 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 sad in a way because some of the men uh, are incarcerated for you know five years, ten years, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty years. Uh, you know, and and but we do the best, and I share with them that that this is your desert. Uh, and as much as Moses was in the desert, he uh, met God in the desert and saw the burning bush at the mountain, uh, and then was attracted to it. So this is. This is your desert where you go to meet God in a very special way. I think that image is the best one that I could share with them, uh, you know, in that space where they alone walk uh, with the pain and the suffering and, and, and try to latch on to God as best they can. It's as, as people. What kinds of offenses are these servicemen incarcerated for? Well, that's not really discussed with me, but when, but when one is aware that the time is like 30 years, uh, one can speculate uh, that it's a very serious crime. Uh, that's as much as I can say based on my nonverbal contact with them in terms of the crime itself. Uh, and so if, if, with that kind of time, the two facilities, the USDB, I believe the sentences are longer, you know, some 30 years or more. The smaller regional institution uh, is for uh, shorter periods of time for the men who are there. And that's as much as I can share on that. Are you able to hear their confessions? Yes. I know that's important to some of those um, incarcerated servicemen, Correct. Uh, surely you have conversations with them about um, confession and penance and the importance of it in the practice of our faith. Yes, it's under the under the seal, but uh, you know some of the weight that that people carry in their conscience, and 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 I've even shared it in my homily. Some people have lost so much, you know, trust and respect uh, for themselves. I think I can generalize by saying that in those kinds of situations. They have to scratch their way back to faith, to belief in God, that, that someone cares, uh, and that they are forgiven, you know, for whatever uh, crime may have been committed that put them there. It's finding themselves all over again, uh, hitting the rock bottom and even below that, and then having to crawl up uh, to gain some kind of respect for self while there, and continue to love family uh, and to survive, because it's a place of survival. Uh, I can imagine. So your experience, both as a um, U.S. Air Force chaplain and um, uh, an airman who uh, sought out uh, the counsel of a chaplain early in life, in your early 20s, uh, how important is it that we have chaplains in the U.S. military? I think it's very, very important. And and I, I regret that. I'm still not serving as a chaplain, but my age and so forth. But the presence of a chaplain, uh, there's so much respect that uh, officers and enlisted uh, personnel give to a chaplain because they know what he or even she stands for and who they are, and they can grow the trust uh, and rely upon them, especially when needed most. And things happen in families when you're TDY, uh, and a chaplain's there. Uh, We're trained as chaplains. 
uh, to be able to minister to anyone who comes. You know, there's a professional approach, and then there's the religious spiritual approach. Uh, but when a crisis comes, uh, we do the human thing. Uh, you know, we, we listen and and we embrace and we walk with, even in painful times. Uh, we're there, and sometimes the ministry of presence is all that it takes. We're there, walking the flight line like in in Haiti. I walked up and down the flight line uh, at Port-au-Prince for probably as much as two and three hours each day, visiting with the men and women who were there, uh, TDY, in the midst of all the hardships. Um, and, and so I think it's very important that a chaplain in the Ministry of Presence be available uh, and to be able to identify and relate to the men and women there uh, in service. You know, the church studies that we've seen, uh, particularly one by uh, Kara, uh, which uh, is a, um, uh, a a research uh, organization based at Georgetown University. Uh, yes, I'm familiar. Kara does a uh, annual uh, survey of new ordinance to the priesthood, and year in and year out, uh, the study shows that uh, anywhere from four to ten percent of newly ordained priests in the United States uh, came out of the military. And as much as 20% come from military families, which suggests that the military itself is uh, one of the, if not the largest source of vocations in the United States. Does that surprise you? Well, no, because I came out of that same scenario, uh, and I've been sensitive to that, uh, because I've looked at that, and I think what really grooms uh, or is a nurturing place for the decision to be made by a service personnel to become uh, a chaplain uh, is, th- is the discipline that's available and present, uh, the whole notion of obedience, to know what it means to be obedient to a superior authority, for example, and then we transfer that to God, we look for that. Uh, uh, lived case in point would be uh, the Baptist minister at the church in Fishersville, Virginia, where I went to a funeral for my aunt, uh, spent 20 years in the military, Baptist. He came out of the military, went into um, a non-Catholic seminary, got his degrees, and so forth, and now he is, as a um, 20-year veteran in the military, a full Baptist minister. A man of God. Right. A man of God. And so to see that, even it's across the boundaries of faith backgrounds, it's the discipline, I conclude, that really makes it possible to make those kinds of decisions and to search. Um, And with God, one has to be disciplined. So I think that's, for myself, that's the answer as to why the military nurtures chapters. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, a lot of crossover between skills required to be a priest, and I say this, I'm not a priest myself, but uh, watching priests, of, I'm a lifelong Catholic, I've been uh, going to Mass ever since I'm old enough to remember. Uh, but you mentioned the discipline, uh, and also the uh, dedication to a cause larger than oneself. Exactly, exactly. The mission in the military, whether it's Army, Navy, Marine, 
or Air Force. It's a cause much greater. And you give yourself or your whole life or the whole four years, eight years, ten years to that mission. That's what you do. That's where you invest your time for the love of family and so on. But on the larger scale, uh, the connection would be the mission uh, in service to the church, in service to the people uh, as a chaplain, as a Catholic chaplain. Uh, and so that's why I would say that uh, my uh, call to Catholicism and the priesthood is in the marrow of my bones that was born uh, those first years I was in the military. I've been talking to Father Anthony Williams of the Diocese of Kansas City, joining us by phone from Olathe, Kansas. Uh, Father Williams uh, spent uh, 10 years as a United States Air Force chaplain, a Catholic priest who uh, grew up Baptist but converted uh, early in young adulthood uh, to the Catholic faith and then becoming a, a priest himself and spending 10 years in the Air Force. Father Williams, thank you so much for talking to me today. You're most welcome. God bless. Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, erected by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985 to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, and the government's civilian workforce beyond U.S. borders. 1.8 million American Catholics worldwide depend on the Archdiocese and its endorsed chaplains for pastoral care. For more information, visit millarch.org. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, serving those who serve.